So it's a warm spring day here in Utah. The sun is shining. It is, it's the kind of Saturday afternoon where everybody wants to get out and mow their lawns. Steph and I already cut the grass earlier this morning, but now all the neighbors are doing it. And it makes it really difficult to try to record this intro to this new episode. But hopefully this window of opportunity gives me enough time to introduce this wonderful episode that you're about to listen to. So I've been incredibly excited uh, about this episode. This is me and four other guys sitting down and having one of the most open, free-flowing conversations about uh, masculinity, about emotions, about what it means to be a man, uh, what it means to be a good man. Everybody on this episode, everybody you're about to listen to. First off, we had uh, Matt Nadu, Chris Fletcher, John Sturpey, and Chris Herrigfield. So after we got done with this whole big everyman weekend-long training that we had all attended, some of us were still hanging out. And at the end of the night, we decided to record this kind of impromptu podcast. And like I said, everybody on this episode that you're about to listen to is right now in their lives, not just trying to be a better man, not just trying to open up and be more vulnerable in their everyday life, but they're also trying to lead the way in a sense and help men help people that they come into contact with, help everybody in their lives, help spread this idea, this concept that everybody across the board has more capacity to open up to their emotions, to vulnerability, to connection, really, at the end of the day. So it's a really profound episode. Um, It kind of speaks for itself. I won't give away too much of what you're about to listen to. But needless to say, it's one of those that I love doing. I love when this happens on the podcast, these organic, natural conversations that spark so many different things. And every single one of the men you're about to listen to showed up for it. They showed up willingly, honestly, truthfully, and vulnerably. So it was really, really special. I'd like to thank you guys that sat down for this podcast. Also, keep in mind when you listen to the episode, uh, we only had four microphones. So Matt and uh, Chris Herrickfield were sharing a mic, but they did a wonderful job and it kind of flows seamlessly. So it's not that big of an issue. I'd also like to thank all the men that were at the Everyman event that weekend. And if you aren't familiar with Everyman, you can go to their website, everyman.com. That's E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.com. You can also reach out to me directly through the podcast, energieslovepodcast.com. If you've got questions, If you're inspired by this episode, I'd love to hear from you. If this episode triggers you in some way, I'd love to hear from you. If you have more thoughts and ideas, this whole conversation of what you're about to listen to is one of those really ongoing conversations that we all need to be having in our lives. But I think I've said enough. So now you guys get to sit back and relax and enjoy this beautiful, wonderful episode with these wonderful, amazing men. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the Love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. But we're set. We're ready to go. And uh, Chris, we're going to dive right back into it. So you just get to share what you shared just a minute ago before we pushed record, if you're cool with that. Absolutely. Get up to the mic, man. Okay. Um, Thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Chris, and I've known Craig for probably a year and a half. Even closer so they can hear Uh, you. I've known Craig for probably a year and a half um, from some men's work we've done together. 
I had no idea what this podcast was going to be about until I walked into this room and he brought up sexual abuse with, with women and his daughter. You really got to like... <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not necessarily... Uh, Scoot up a little sorry, bit. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. i start this over again. No, you're totally good. <laughs> Chris walks in the room. So, sexual abuse of my daughter. <laughs> yeah, no... Uh, yeah, the context of um, let's uh, hey, let's let somebody else start with this, and then I'll roll into it afterwards because this is uh, you're you're totally good, brother. You're this is the good, way it dude. goes. No, no, this is uh, rough. You're good. Yeah, right. just talking like right around here. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, the whole concept and idea of what men, uh, what good men, right? What us men that want to show up in the world and bring forth positive masculinity want to yeah. bring forth a different dynamic than is being portrayed and also a different dynamic than what has existed in this world so good man what are we supposed to do right and then chris shared a portion of why this topic is so important to him and to tell tell the listeners now why this is something that you're passionate about well first thing is um i think positive masculinity is something that's almost a forbidden word. Masculinity is a forbidden word in our society today. And it, it hurts me because there are positive masculine men out there and I think we need to embrace them. They're making a change in the world like myself. We touched on a subject that's um, very dear to my heart. I was a single dad with a daughter. And let me step back for just a second. Um, I had some childhood trauma in nursery school from a teacher. And it didn't uh, come up until I was 13 years old. And that really came up when I was 18. So my biggest mission in life was to protect her into her adulthood and beyond. And I did that. Were you a single fra a father a single father from like right off the bat, or was there some point when that happened? Four years on. Okay, four so she old. was four years old at that point. Yes. Okay. I had that mindset from the second I held her. So she's twenty seven now, and I have two grandsons, and I want to pass down to them what I've learned throughout my years, my adolescence into, you know, I'm almost 50. I want them to be a positive role model in society, treat women with, with respect, and be a true gentleman. And a true gentleman for me is a man that's secure and confident with himself and shows up for himself, that also digs deep and works to grow in every possible way for himself and his family and his kids. To break the cycle of past generations. When you think back to, because um, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, are you in your 50s? I'll be 50 okay. in October. So when you think back to the generations before you, right? The generations that brought you up. Yes. I think it's apparent, obviously, that that generation and the generations previous this shit wasn't even on the fucking radar. Like this wasn't even a dynamic or a thought process really, right? Not at all. I think it was a hush-hush. I mean, you had 
You had the white picket fence with the beautiful curtains, manicured lawn, but behind those doors was chaos in many homes, I think. Yeah. Things were not talked about or not brought to the surface. I think uh, many kids suffered. I know they suffered. I, I grew up in it. My friends, nothing was ever talked about, but you could see it. You could see the change in them, you know, throughout the years. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a difficult question, and this is the other caveat that I forgot to fill okay. you guys in on anything. At any given point, you can just be like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that or I don't want to answer that question. And then that just disappears in the editing process. So that's not a big deal. But Chris, if you don't mind sharing, what do you feel at this point in your life, right? Having been able to go back and process through some of that trauma from your childhood, what do you think was one of the biggest effects that that has had over you throughout your life? Because undoubtedly, there's multiple layers and multiple effects of some experience like that. But what would you say was one that really stands out that really affected you throughout your life? I'm going to cut right through, right through the middle of this. Um, for me, it was relationships with women, hands down. Um, I was a womanizer for probably 25 years of my life. I'm not proud of it. But it was me filling a void for trauma that I had suffered when I was three and a half years old. And I don't, it's not an excuse, but I didn't have any outlets or any different way to go. I didn't know any better. I didn't have, I didn't have anybody, you know, that could mentor me. I could never talk to my father about this. Yeah. So, um, it's it's been a it's been a real growing experience for me to reflect on how I've treated women and it's uh, very emotional for me I mean having a daughter and you know what I've put uh, some women through in my life and the uh, the the trauma back when you were a child was uh, at the hands of a woman right Absolutely. yes it was okay I think that's an important thing because that dynamic alone uh, is th is the flip side of what I presume and kind of witness and see women experience and deal with, right? Yes. When typically their abuser or the person that um, inflicts that trauma or that pain on them at some point in their life is typically a man. And then how much that fucks their dynamic and relationship with men throughout their entire life, right? And so it's interesting to hear you and have the side of it where, like I said, it's just the flip side of it. And then that mirror image of similar, I'm sure, feelings, reactions, responses just played out in a kind of a slightly different way. Exactly. So this um, came up for me when I was 13 and I brought this attention to my mother. And she wouldn't really, she kind of beat around the bush about the whole subject. So then it came up. We were in a, a huge fight when I was 18 years old. And I remember her saying, you just, you just need to figure it out and go to college. And I looked at her and I said, all I want you to tell me is put your arms on me and tell me you love me and it's going to be okay. And she turned around and walked away from me at that moment. Yeah. And that was kind of the caveat that just spun me out of control. 
because I didn't know what love was. I didn't know what true love was from a woman, from my mother. And it kind of set me up for failure, I think. And I'm not blaming her for that. Oh, no, of course not. Not at all. I mean, I love my mother to death. I just don't think she had the tools to work through this or understand this. That's been one time. Yeah, that's been one of the biggest things for me in my own life where, you know, it's really, really easy to go back and see the ways that your parents messed up, (laughs) right? They just like messed up. And as a parent, I recognize all the ways that I have messed up. But the, I mean, like you said, they didn't have the tools, they didn't have the skill set, even the knowledge or the understanding or even something to contextualize or even, uh, you know, think that this was a fucking issue. And obviously, the those of us that have kids, there's so many times where you'll say something or you'll do something and you won't really understand the gravity that that little tiny thing had. And I've had my own kids come back to me with something that I never even thought was would cause any, you know, heartache or harm or pain or anything like that. And yeah. so it's always that slippery fucking slope. So of course you don't blame her, right? Like you said, she just didn't have the skill set at the time. No, when I was younger I did, but I uh <laughs> I got to a point in my life and you know realized that back then there really wasn't there wasn't any means to to help you grow or deal with your childhood issues or problems. My parents had me later on in life. My dad was 41 and my mom was 38. They're both from a medical background. So, Were you an only child as I well? I was. I was an only child. <clears throat> yeah. So there's a big disconnect um, from my mom and myself and my dad also. Um, thank God my grandmother was in my life. She was a, a, a positive influence. So I want to ask you... <clears throat> Uh, where you're at now today, right? The man mm-hmm. that you are today. What, not only what are you trying to do and what do you try to do every day, but what would you like to do, especially in this in this arena, in this space of how we can make the current state, the environment that exists in culture and in society today in regards to the way that women feel in regards to men. And I mean, obviously the way men feel in regards to women as well. It's not just one side, right? It's a huge fucking problem that has so many layers to it. So what, what, what is it that you feel like you are doing today and that you would like to continue to do or maybe see down the road? I'd like to bring awareness to men and women, not just, not just one or the other. Um, I think it's important that we, we, that we grow together and apart also. I think we need to do healing on our own within men's groups and women's groups. And I also think that we need to do couples groups or just have, have workshops together with men and women to, so we understand each other. So, the, so the, the hard questions can be asked in those safe situations, those safe environments. So men can ask the questions of what women want and women can ask the questions of what men want. Yeah. You know, and I'm not proud of my, my gender at times. I mean, for the things that, that, that have, that have come up, I mean, men taking women, I mean, sexually in, in any form, I'm not okay with that. And it's wrong and it breaks my heart, but I also don't want to crucify men either. I think we need help 
we need guidance. We need workshops. We need we need groups, therapy, whatever it might be. But we need to come together as a community to help this situation. That little tiny thing, uh, coming together as a community, right? I think we hear that in in relation to a ton of different things. And I think the word community also has a lot of like. Uh, it's, kind of, it's almost like a buzzword right now, right? Where you'll hear people talking about uh, finding their community or seeking out their community or their tribe, right? We all recognize that this need for community is more than just, I mean, it used to be the small town. It used to be the small little community that you lived in, but that's very few and far in between. And even in those environments, it doesn't have that same feel that it did 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so... For me, when I hear you say that, I think, yes, we need to find community and it's massively important, but I think we also have to shift our mindset around what community really looks like and what community feels like, because it'd be wonderful to think that we could create some big, massive community, but I think it's the micro, it's small examples and connections of what community looks like and feels like. So rather than, at least for me, there's nothing wrong with the word, obviously, but for me, when I hear that word, I think about instead of community, we need connection because you can have community with three people. You can have community with your, you know, your block. You can have community with, you know, your town, whatever it is. But uh, the connection, I think, is the important part, which is the undercurrent of community, right? The connection piece. It's like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to steal shit from your car when you're my neighbor because you're my neighbor. Like, you know, I see you, we, we talk, we connect, we know each other. These things that take place and these things that we do to one another, I think would be massively, drastically changed and altered if we had connection with one another. I agree 100%. And I like the way that you put that. That really resonates with me. Yeah. But I think it, it's... it. It's going to start out small and grow. It's not going to be a massive explosion. Yeah. And even, 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 you know, 50 small examples of community and connection. And when we take that picture and look at it as a whole is big. But sometimes I think, I know I do it. Sometimes I think, oh, this, this tribe or this connection spot that I have is so tiny. It doesn't have weight. It doesn't have power. I'm not doing enough. But when I look at the whole, it's like, oh, that's one little light, one little spot in the bigger, grander scheme. And if we all kind of had those areas of connection in our lives, then that would be enough, I think, rather than thinking that it has to be one ginormous conglomeration, right? Yes, they can grow in size, but even the small examples of connection and community are massively important. I agree 100%. So, John... John, you're up next with the big question, brother. Hello. My boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have raspy voices after this please, weekend. Please excuse my voice. Yeah, sit up a little bit for me if you don't mind. Yeah. Let's push this closer. Absolutely. Is that better? That's better. Okay. Thank you. I'm conscious of my voice. <laughs> I can't mask it, though. <laughs> I'm Batman. And, and I'm really... <laughs> you guys ever see Bat Dad? You know Bat Dad? Excuse me. I think yeah. so. Online. Uh, You've seen Bat Dad? No. You haven't seen Bat Dad, the Bat guy that YouTube. puts on the fucking mask, his Batman no. mask, and then fucks around with his family no. in the car and at the house, <laughs> and his kids come up, and he's like, hey, 
Johnny, what are you eating over there? <laughs> no. Bad dad, bad dad no, wants somebody. It. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. But I hate the guy because it's a wonderful <laughs> idea that he stole from me. Yeah. <laughs> like if only I had grasped a hold of bad dad, yeah. you know, six months earlier. But so, yeah. Um, what, what are you going to do, John? What do you think about this problem that hmm. we're all facing? Well, as I sit here and uh, I, I really just want to honor, first of all, Chris, a, your podcast voice is incredible. Yeah. I super. really <laughs> am really in my state. I'm envious of your podcast voice, but uh, just your, your ability to go there, your, your willingness to take a risk and, uh, and share that it's, it just feels huge right now. As I sit here, it feels huge. So thank you, man. Yeah. Um, your question, Craig, what, what am I? When you sit with the weight of yeah. this topic, when you sit with, um, like what comes up for you? Does, is this something that you really experience or that you've even looked at or thought about in your life? Is this something that you're like, yeah, I know that this thing is taking place in society, but it doesn't really affect me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, um, what the very first thing that comes up is, um, how I raised my son, um, and the relationship, uh, between my father and mother and, you know, my wife and me, that that's what comes up. Um, nothing. Um, I, I haven't had any intense experience with it. Um, but I get it. And, uh, you know, as my son becomes a teenager and, you know, girls are in the picture and relationships are in the picture. Um, it's awkward. It feels awkward. Uh, it feels awkward as I sit here, like, you know, how do I go about this? Um, and, you know, uh, this whole talk of connection, you know, connecting with him, um, that seems to be, that just seems to be so powerful you know, to have that kind of connection with him to, and, you know, to keep that open so that he, you know, is open to seeing me as a model. And so my relationship with my wife and my mom, um, you know, that's, that's the best I have, <laughs> you know, he's in an age where, uh, I feel like he doesn't necessarily want to sit and listen to anything. Um, and so for me, you know, keeping those lines open, letting him know I am here and so that I can be a part of that world with him feels like, um, feels like that's what's going to make a difference with how, just how he even sees relationships with women, how he looks at them, um, or not, you know, not looked at them as sex objects or, you know, having him be his own man and uh, amongst all of his friends and all of that information that, that, you know, peers, uh, that whole environment of, of, you know, how you talk about girls and that whole. Um, Your son's about to turn 13, right? Yeah. 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 So that's just crazy time. Yeah, <laughs> That's it, just, it really yeah. is. You know, he's he's still, you know, he he likes his stuffed animals and he likes to be a little boy. <laughs> uh -huh. And then, you know, he's um, 
he has interest in girls and uh yeah i i i hesitate to say this i mean this was he brought this to me the other day and it 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 just lit me up and i i had to pause with it but the first girl that he liked identified as trans Wow. And so he came to me with that and just, but very like, matter of fact, like, yeah, like, hey, like, how did he, how did he uh, explain that? Like, what did he say? Right. He, he said, I have to, I have to think about this. Um, He was exchanging, uh, he just got his first hand-me-down phone and he was exchanging you know, contacts. And, um, I forgot the girl's name, but he said, you know, I, I could tell there was something else about it that, that was more than just, you know, friendship. And then, and then he came to me and said, Oh, but, but she's trans. And so he's like, I didn't know. And he's like, and you know, so-and-so doesn't know. And so-and-so knows. And now he knows, and that's just it. It's fine. And so it just became regular, friendship like and it just I, I just sat there i'm like oh my gosh this is 2019 and like i have to sit down and like just think about this like how do i how do i even go there and and it was just him and i connecting and that's all it was was just me listening and having open communication with him and being there and uh that is one of the clearest examples of the difference in the world today and the difference to even 10, 15 years ago, right? Let alone when we were kids, let alone when we were growing up, yeah. right? And I think it's fucking awesome yeah. that that your boy has an understanding, like not even an under, like that that's just a thing that yeah. he's aware of and then, okay, not a big deal. Like, I think that's... I mean, that kind of blows my mind and it makes me incredibly fucking happy at the same time. Yeah. It, it blew my mind. And like my wife and I just kind of like, kind of like high fived each other. We're like, I, I think we're doing something right. Like, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that was a, it was a moment and it's just like, it really just reinforced, you know? Yeah. You guys can feel free to jump in at any point too. Don't feel like you have to sit and wait until I talk to you. Feel free to fucking chime in whenever you want. I just realized I feel like you guys are like, like if you got something to say, I want to fucking hear it. Yeah. But um, well, I I do have something to say. Uh, how how old is the girl? Twelve or thirteen. Had did you know the story behind that? Like how that, like her own <clears throat> personal story. I don't. Okay. I don't. Um, because that kind of came to a shock that you know someone's that young identifies as trans. I, I for I me, have... I was like. Oh. Oh, I, I had that, I had a reaction like that too. And, um, like I, I chose to, to stay with my son in the moment versus go there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah. And I, I just kind of set that part aside and, and just, just stayed with him. And, um, how'd you, how'd you do that in the moment? Because I'm thinking about like things that I'm thinking of, mm. and then you know, <clears throat> that's me, and then having to deal with okay, no, but this is his situation, yeah, and not like 
he's coming to me for advice. So yeah, it was gotta be it, sensitive and, and, and whatever. And, and that was it. It, it. it wasn't advice. It was, um, it was, it was him and I talking, which, you know, in that moment, I, I really, I really just valued that mm-hmm. and, um, had nothing to do with me. Um, and it was him sharing an experience and, uh, yeah, I, I, I just really connected to him. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. Um, mm-hmm. well, yeah. it's almost like that trust too. Matt, like, come across I, the mic for me. It's dad. almost like that trust. Like I never even talked to my dad about girls, let alone me if it's neither. like that kind of situation Yeah, that would, you know, potentially throw him off guard, throw you off guard and to be able to be like, I look at it as something beautiful that like you have that relationship with your son that he's like, Oh, Hey dad, like, you know, cause I don't know about you guys, but me talking about girls, and my dad, I was just like, yeah. Right. Like even the sex talk was, I had to listen to like audio tapes and he's like, do you get it now? I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I just listened to. I had okay. zero it was like 12 hours with my dad. So for him to be able to come, not like it's sex, but even just like, I'm interested in this. Yeah. Well, like, and it, in, in like, it kind of, it kind of set the stage for all of those talks coming up. Like they're, they're, they're covering all that in health now. They're coming up. And, you know, yeah, I mean, he sat down with me after school and was just like, dad, I have to trace the, um, the path of a sperm cell from the testicle to the fallopian tube. Get the fuck out of here. He sat down, we sat down after school and he's like, yeah, like, like we have to hit the right out vocabulary and kind of Mm. describe the whole path. And we sat down at the, at the kitchen table after school and he's like, will you help me with this? And I was like, sure. Like. This, this seems really too easy like <laughs> but and so like it, it almost in a way it's like wow he gets this like i really want to help him like navigate this mm-hmm. you know for whatever whatever that looks like for him um and yeah i i think back you know my dad's sex talk was be careful be careful what you're doing Literally, every time I'd leave the house, you just be careful what you're doing. Like, and you just take that however you wanted it, you know? But, um, like, wear my seatbelt, be careful. Yeah, it's right. It could mean anything. <laughs> that, that had to be it. That's yeah, what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah. So, um, I think you're killing it as a dad, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just want to jump in and acknowledge you for the fact that, you know, your son's coming to you at, it was basically his first sexual experience. And he's talking to you like it's long division or, you know, multiplication, uh, multiplication tables. Just, yeah. just that cut and dry, like, yeah, dad, can we figure this out together? Yeah. And yeah, that's a beautiful thing. It's, it really lights me up. It is beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> John, I have to honor you as a, as a father and as my fellow brother. <laughs> What an amazing man you are and what an amazing job you've done with your son to have him be open and honest and vulnerable with you. Hope you pat yourself on the back for that. I mean, yeah. these are you're the kind of man that we need in the world today. Oh, thank you, Chris. Yeah, to really yeah. care about your son and let him be open and honest with you. Yeah. Without judgment. Yeah, yeah definitely you. a different environment <clears throat> and a different generation and a stark different you know difference than how we were all raised. And that's the small stuff. Like that's the stuff that's yeah. going to have massive waves of impact, right? Because now your son 
<laughs> we'll be dad one day. Your son will go out into the world one day. And yeah, that's the change. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, and I do, I, I hope he sees, you know, his parents' relationship too, mm. you know, and how we we're right. And he's an only child and, uh, you know, we're right in front of him all the time and we're, you know, we're sharing and we're, we're communicating too in the same way. And I can only hope, you know, we're the models for him. Um, not that we, you know, hit home runs every time. And that's probably even better that we don't hit home runs every time. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's, that's the most that comes up with me for me, you know, around this subject is where, you know, the future, I guess. So I want you to think as everybody continues to talk, I want you to think what more you can do. Mm. Right. Cause I always think that there's like, there's always room to lean somewhere more and do more. And I think one thing to help, um, think about it in a different context, this is one thing. Cause I shared with these guys, uh, <laughs> I had to think in my head for a minute because I have talked about this on the podcast before and I've talked about the vagina monologues before and I shared that experience that I had. Um, but anyways, I shared that experience with these men right now. And during that time period when I was there watching that, I had this evolution of looking at and realizing uh, the way that I was viewing it going into it was I'm not a predator. Uh, I haven't ever sexually abused a woman. I haven't ever raped a woman. I haven't ever been like a massive, hey, hey, hey guy in the office that's going to corner in the copy room. I've never been what we would stereotype as that type of person or as that type of man, right? I never fucked some chick that passed out on the bed after we got drunk. I never had any of those experiences in my life. I never did any of those things. But as the night progressed, I really had to question what I had done because there were so many layers to the pain that these women had experienced that it wasn't just massive traumatic experiences that was causing it's like Chris earlier when you shared about your mom simply you know walking away that wasn't your mom slapping you in the face telling you you're a piece of shit that was a a, a small thing on one hand but had massive influence and impact. And so I really started to look at the bigger picture of what I had done or what I was currently doing in my life that may in some way, shape or form be causing pain or discomfort or suffering of some form or fashion to women. So John, you can think about that. <clears throat> In regards to maybe things that you feel you have done or, you know, just in the context of what more can you do? Yeah. Because it's not just, you know, the rape in the dark alley. It's not just those big, massive things that women experience. There's a lot of other stuff that has led them up to this point. I'm going to chime in on this. I think, um, and I've talked to women about this. They said the physical abuse is much easier to get over than the verbal or emotional abuse. Hmm. Yeah. And I had to reflect back on my life, <clears throat> and I'm not proud of it at all. And I've been an emotionally abusive man in different relationships in my life. Absolutely. And I own it. And I want to help the next generation to never walk down that road. 
whatever we can do to help these young men to be a gentleman, to understand what the word no means, to be respectful of a woman's body and her mind and her whole being. I think that's the direction that we need to go. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to just bring women into it, but I think of, of any human. I think you, 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 this needs to go across the board, not just to women, but to men also. Absolutely. Yeah, that's always the caveat when I have this topic and when we talk about this stuff. Like, it's not, I mean, men aren't just the problem and men aren't just the solution. And women, I mean, it's the entire fucking picture, right? It's the entire spectrum. And so it is like, there's a lot of angles to approach it at, but I think I like talking at least about focusing on the experience that women have had and how we as men, good men in the world today can do more. So tell me, Chris, the other Chris, I just realized that too, as we started, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Tell me what you think, man. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to kind of pull apart there. You want to give me a direction to start on? What uh, that space where some of the some of the subtler things that may have caused pain for women, some of the subtler things that maybe you've witnessed, maybe you've experienced, maybe you've seen, maybe you've been uh, the cause of. Hmm. Yeah. Um... Probably the the biggest thing that I've I've noticed is the way that these people that are in my life, these 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 women in my life, they've had difficult relationships with other men, and I connect right to them, and I feel very fortunate that I can connect right to them, and that's a that's a pretty big um, honor that they let me in. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, I've also had difficulty being the man that I want to be and not having um, a short fuse and losing my temper or, um, you know, just not showing the person deserving of all my love, all my love, because it's it's a tough work day or I'm having a, you know, I'm having a, a melancholy moment and just not really just being the fir- the full the full partner in, in, you know, my life with these people and just not showing up and, and, and being a, you know, a top notch model of what a man should be. And I look at, I look at my family, I look at my niece, I've got a, um, a young niece and I, I, yeah, I had some uncles and they meant a lot to me, but to me, when I see this girl, she runs to me and she says my name and she wants to spend time with me and she pulls me in close and she's just this little beautiful thing and she's going to school and she's at that age where and I've seen some, some gnarly things happen to young ladies at that age and I get nervous. I get nervous seeing her out in public and I get nervous when I see her, you know, freely casually just engaging with a man who might be at the grocery store or at a, you know, at a theme park or something. I, I, I just, I watch that man. I watch that man and I want to make sure that she's safe. 
And I catch myself doing that. And it, it gets me right into, it gets me right into like my fight or flight. It gives me a, just a, this little hit of trauma. Um, and so I spend a good deal of my time with her just really trying to soak up everything that she is because I want her to know what a man who can show love and experience love and who can be love is supposed to be. So she'll choose the right path. She'll choose the right partner. She'll keep herself out of harm's way because I can't be there. And it's not my responsibility. I'm just her uncle, but this young lady is going to have to navigate this world on her own. She's going to have to be strong enough on her own. And I want her to see somebody that she knows when she sees that in another person, that's the, that's the thing that she can trust and that she can trust men. One of the things <clears throat> that like was super fucking loud in what you just spoke, at least for me, was the way you described her approaching men at the grocery store, at the park, in a very innocent childlike way. Yeah. And your reaction is, I don't trust that man. Yeah. And that blows, I mean, it makes perfect fucking sense. I have the same fucking experience, right? But to put it in the context of men don't even trust men. No. How in the hell do we expect women to trust us if we don't even trust men? Yeah. We're not going to trust men with not only our daughters or our sons or our wives or our girlfriends, right? We don't even trust men. Like, that's hit me pretty fucking hard. I had never even kind of looked at that angle or that dynamic of that, that fuck, we don't even trust each other. I trust you. Mm. Right? I don't trust that guy at the fucking grocery store. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it just, yeah. It's- and that's so silly because most likely he's he's one of us. Like, he's totally probably a normal good guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's probably a, a real good dude. He's yeah. probably a great dad, too. But yeah, he's probably the guy that I, you know, I want my daughter to go talk to because he's going to be the one that say, come here, sweetheart. Sure. Are you lost? Let's, let's get you some help. Where's your dad? Where's your mom? Right? He's going to do what we would do in that circumstance. But we have that gut thing of like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Get away from my kid. Don't go talk to them. And part of that shit that, you know, I just, I'm trying to let go is the fact that maybe she's learning these lessons already, right? Maybe she already knows what a good man's supposed to look like and she's connected to that good man. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's already there. Maybe my work is to just be and continue to let her live and, you know. Or just continue to be a model of that. Well, that she wants to be around men that are you know, resemble you. Yeah, I just, I don't think the job's ever going to be done for me. Mm. But I'm all right with that. Are you guys, <clears throat> can you think of experiences or can you think of moments in your life right now, not necessarily in connection with children or, you know, or spouses or significant others, but where you don't trust men or you don't feel safe around men? And, and now I asked that, and as soon as I asked that, we can all think about fucking weekend we just experienced and some of the challenges. And, but I'm talking in like just regular everyday life, not in deep emotional spaces where we're vulnerable and we rip our hearts open and we're scared of anybody seeing that. I'm talking like just regular everyday stuff where you're like questioning the safety of another man in relation to what you're experiencing. Matt, can you think of anything? I do, and this is this is so weird because the first thing I thought about is I'm from Philadelphia, and if I see somebody with a Dallas Cowboys hat on, 
I'm like, I do not trust this son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and that seems so stupid, but like, that's honestly something that I do, you know? And I, I think with guys, um, even in the contents of this weekend, like when we first got into like men's work, one of the first things we do is like, we look another man in the eye. And it's so funny that when we first do it, we just walk around a room and, you know, we look guys in the eye and then you actually like settle in and just focus on one guy. And when you initially do it, I know at least for me, it's like you kind of sizing guys up for like no reason. I got like, and for me, flight or fight, I'm usually more fight. So like I'm sizing someone up. I'm like, I don't even know this guy. <laughs> like you could be the best guy in the world. And for some reason I'm sizing him up. And then when you sit and actually like look a man in the eye and you're not looking at the physical thing, it's literally just like looking through, through, you know, somebody is, you're like, man, who the fuck am I to judge? Like, like I'm looking into somebody who's beautiful. So, um, I don't know. I feel that a lot. I don't know. And it's weird. And maybe it's just from like where I'm from, but, um, I don't know. But what you said, Chris super resonates. Cause I have a niece and she's awesome and she's the same way. And I see that she's just like so open and like just willing to just share love and like be loved. And my brother's just like, dude, no, don't, don't do this. Don't go there. Don't look at this guy. Like this guy's probably a perv, like in his mind, like constantly. And I can't imagine I'm not a father yet, but I can't imagine one that stress and two, just the idea, like we were talking about community before. And it's like, where's the breakdown? that we don't even trust our own neighbors in our own grocery store that's two blocks from the house. You know, like we don't trust anybody and it's just like, oh, it's just us against like our family, our unit against the world kind of. Yeah, I think it feels like that often, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to wrap everybody up that I can in my arms and the people that I can hold in these arms right here, right? The people that I can wrap close to me, mm -hmm. it's me against all you other people. Yeah. And I'm going to do everything I can to protect this. And over the course of my life as a father, as a parent, and going through, you know, my oldest is, she'll be 20 in like a week. Mm -hmm. And I have really had to stretch in the space of recognizing the importance. Because all the old adage of like, it takes a village, right? It takes a village to raise a child. I believe that. That's in our DNA. That's how we were all at some point in time, way back in the day, we were brought up by a village. It wasn't just our parents. It was the entire fucking village that raised us. So I have, I really have had to stretch and accept that not only is it okay for other people to love my children, but it's also okay for them to interact. It's okay for them to engage. It's okay for them to experience things with that love, with those other people in those other environments and things like that. But it's not easy. Like it's very, very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, other than just practicing that and trying to lean into that as often as possible, I wish there was a fix, right? I wish there was an answer that was like, oh, we could all just switch that part of our brains off and realize we're all human. Mm -hmm. We're all the same. You know, 99% of us have 99% of the same shit. <laughs> and just the 1% is the part that makes us all unique and different, which we have to honor and respect. Mm -hmm. So we can all just relax and be comfortable. But it's hard. I mean, it's the simplest thing of like all of my kids have gone through stages in their life where they want to go have sleepovers at their friend's house. And that's like red flag, trigger, warning sign, uh, do not proceed, stop, you know, because... 
how many horror stories do we hear? How many experiences uh, come up from that specific thing of, you know, I used to have a sleepover at my friend's house and this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And it's super hard. I don't have a fix for it other than trying to lean into it. Yeah. And I think my name is Matt, by the way. And I think what's scary for me is I'm the oldest. I have nine brothers and sisters. What? Yeah. And some of them are. And you're the oldest? Yes. How old's the youngest? He just turned 13, I think. Holy shit. Sorry, Elijah, you might have turned 14. He's th- I think he's he's 13 or 14. But Nine he's in eighth grade. Okay. I'll, I'll just pretend like that's not a cool... Like, <clears throat> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of kids. Go ahead. Yeah, my parents are amazing. Um, <laughs> but he's like 13. And I think the thing for me is that what I'm super afraid of... And, and, and I'm going to pull this into a quick story. Is I have a buddy... He is a a kid that's like eight and we were editing something one time uh, back in Philly and he's like, yo, man, I just got a text from my son's mother. And I'm like, oh, what it's saying? He's like, he's sending pictures of his of his gear in like a group chat to a bunch of kids at school. And I'm like, isn't your kid like eight? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) And it was just like this casual thing where they approached him and he's like, well, like, what is this? And she's like, I'm not handling this. You do this. So he's like, what is this? And he's like, what? And he's like, why are you sending these pictures? He's like, everybody sends them. He's like, how long have you been doing that? And he's like, I don't know. Like, we always do that. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I I try to, you know, and I love my parents, but they're hitting their 60s. And it's like, just like their third wave of kids. And like, my, it's just hard for them to keep up with technology, let alone like us. And it it scares the shit out of me. Mm. that like i'm trying to have this conversation with my mom and she's like yeah yeah whatever i'm like it's not like back in the day where like we got like a victoria's secret i had to snatch it out of the neighbor's <laughs> mailbox and be like oh shit look what we got you know what i mean i'm like it's it's fair game and they can see anything and if you don't give them context that this is what sex is and this is what sex looks like and this is what sex means the first google search that they do with sex and god knows what comes up that's what they think that this is and we're not setting a precedence of like, no, it's it's deeper than this. And like, that's what's implanted in them first. So like, I literally, the one day I just grabbed my little brother's phone and I'm like, they're on Wi-Fi. My mom's like, well, what's the Wi-Fi? And I'm like, jeez, oh, mom, what the fuck? <laughs> I just opened the phone and first thing on the history, I'm like, fuck me. I like slide the phone over. And this and is I'm the like, 13 year old brother? He was like 10. Oh, okay. And I was like, hit anything on there, mom. Like, that's the reality, you know? Mm. And it's like, it scares me and God bless you guys being a dad. Cause like, I can't wait to be a dad, but it scares the shit out of me. Like, this is stuff that the kids see and it's so normal now. And it's like, how do we navigate that and be like, oh, this is what it's like to be a good man. But like, I didn't know my kids seven been watching this shit for four years, <clears throat> five years. I just like, did this, Matt. Really? I just did this in <sighs> March. This exact fucking thing. I just had to confront this. And it fucked me up. It fucked me up for like a week. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I had to... uh, Well, first off, the issue was his phone uh, gets taken away from school. Mm -hmm. Mom goes to get the phone, discovers why the phone was taken away from him. And I was out of town at the time, so she's telling me this on the phone. I come home. Uh, bless her heart, I love her to death. 
uh, she's like not the greatest with phones and technology and things. She, she's wonderful and she's amazing, but she just fucks shit up when she tries to do stuff. With it. So I come home and go through and look through everything. And we have the app on his phone where mm-hmm. we can control, you know, things and we can view things and he's got to get approval for this, that, and the other. And we've done all of that prep work ahead of time. And there was one tiny fucking checkbox in the settings of this app that I had forgotten to hit that simply allowed sex to come through on Google. And that's all he was uh, mm. searching for. Was we'll always se- find a glitch. Yeah. And that's it. He was literally, it wasn't like he was searching for three ways or anal or hardcore choke me out, come in my face porn. He was simply searching for sex. Yeah. And he spelled it wrong the first time. Because <laughs> I can <laughs> see that. come up though. Yeah, I can see the history, right? Jeez. And just that alone provides you everything that the world has to offer in that realm. Mm-hmm. And he has no context for it. Mm-hmm. And it was over the span of like two months that he had been doing it because you can obviously see the search history and the stuff that he was pulling up and the stuff that he was looking at is obviously shit I don't want him to see, Mm -hmm. right? So I had this internal dilemma of, uh, I first and foremost, I don't think there's anything wrong with pornography. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with nudity. I don't think there's anything wrong with sexuality. I think all of these things have to have a healthy... Uh, place for each an individual person in their life mm-hmm. and what is specific to them. And I think there's definitely healthy and unhealthy, but that's not up to me to decide for you as the individual. But for my son, I want him to teach. I want to impart to him his body and uh, women's bodies and the beauty and the love and the excitement and the joy and the happiness and the pleasure and the arousal and all of these things that exist because it's all fucking normal. It's all beautiful. It's all healthy. It's all accepted, right? So I had this like just horrible dilemma that I sat with for a long time of trying to figure out, I don't want him to look at this, but at the same time, I'm fooling myself thinking that he's not going to. How old is he? He, He'll be 13 next month. Mm -hmm. And I'm fooling myself to think that He's not looking at it at his friend's house because I remember what I did when I was his age, Mm -hmm. right? The one buddy that had the magazine. Well, fuck, I'm over at his house every day. (laughs) (laughs) Why you go to his house? Uh, He's got a trampoline. Like he got Sega, mom. Yeah, yeah. We like to hang out and play games, mom. But no, he's the one guy that had the magazine. And so I know all of this, right? I can see the whole picture for him to a certain degree, and I didn't have a good solution. So I made what I felt was the best decision at, uh, the best decision when all your decision, decisions are shit. So what I did was, <clears throat> and I don't even like talking about this on the podcast and Steph's going to listen to this. Steph's my wife. Mm-hmm. Most often, most of the time she co-hosts the show with me. So obviously she'll hear this and she'll love me and understand, but it's important. Um, what I decided to do First, I cleaned up his phone, right? Cleaned up his phone and fixed the settings and everything like that as best as I could. And then we had a really deep conversation about it. And I really talked to him about the phone, talked to him about the things, had another layer of sex talk with him because it's been a progression, right? 
And then I went and got him an old school Playboy and told him this was his. This was his magazine that needed to stay here at the house. It's for him and him alone. It's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with masturbating. There's nothing wrong with looking at this magazine in conjunction with masturbation. It's totally normal. It's acceptable. And here you go. And he's like, well, uh, where am I supposed to put it? And I'm like, um, you can put it under your mattress. Under the mattress, <laughs> man. No one looks there. <laughs> so that's what I did. And it still fucks with me. Like if I sit in it for a long time, because I don't know if I did the right thing. But at the time, and even as I move forward, I feel like I did. I picked what I could see as the best shitty solution mm-hmm. in a in a sea of shitty options. Yeah. Well, uh, like realistically, just you talking about what, you know, there's there's healthy and there's unhealthy. And what you want to at least steer him to like this is kind of stuff's okay this stuff isn't because we know it can go fucking dark i wanted him to see normal women yeah yeah and this and then i mean I, I i like what you did because you still gave him an option like hey this is still this but it's kind of like you're tailoring it to like this is the safer version compared to like the rabbit hole you could. yeah and it's not to say that women in playboy are are normal women obviously there's but i it's it's an old magazine Mm -hmm. it's probably 20 years old your your old one (laughs) no (laughs) what was really this was super fucking weird too man i had to go to the shop i had to go to the magazine shop in town and not in our town because we live in a small town but i had to go to salt lake city and i had to go to the shop and then i had to go into that like that that aisle they sell them in salt lake they still yeah and there it was it was challenging to fucking find this place and i go there and i'm looking and lo and behold there were magazines that i looked at Mm, when i was his age and i'm like oh my god it was super bizarre because it was like not only a trip down memory lane number 93 yeah like straight up i'm like i remember her and not only like the like, because I'm sure you guys undoubtedly looked up porn at oh, some never. point. <laughs> uh, it was imprinted in my brain. So as soon as I saw, it, I recognized it. Mm-hmm. Not just the cover, but the actual woman, the the shot, the picture, the pose. I remembered what I liked about it. I remember, and we're talking th- like thirty five, not thirty five years ago. I'm only thirty eight. <laughs> we're talking like twenty five years ago, right? And it's like, wow, the power that th- that that had on my brain at that young of an age. Mm-hmm. So I took that into consideration. Mm. I'm doing that as well to my son at this point. But I would much rather him see just in some way, shape or form, the natural body, mm-hmm. even though obviously we all know that porn stars don't have the most natural bodies. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that wasn't a porn star. That was a a model, mm-hmm. right? It sucked. I don't like it, but I did the best that I could in the moment. And and you guys can jump in on this, but it, it's what you said right there is that's imprinted on the brain. Yeah, and like that's one thing that scares me is mm-hmm. that if that's you know your son or my little brother and sister or my kids eventually, if that's their first idea of what sex is, then one no man or woman's ever going to be good enough because they don't look like what's on there. Yeah. And like, I feel that in like my own life, uh, two, you don't know what they're seeing. So like this could be super unhealthy, but for them that's healthy. And then what are we breeding 
you or what you know what, what are we we growing and then two or three it's not that just like women are sexualized like when little kids see that then they be, themselves become sexualized yeah like oh this is what i this is what i do this is <clears throat> and not only that like men aren't accurate accurately portrayed as well i was yeah yeah i always even that are like hey i'm never gonna i'm 18 i still didn't measure up to this guy. exactly what the fuck i always going on? had that i, yeah. I saw fuck, yeah. i saw penises in porn and thought that's what a penis is supposed to be and do and i never measured up to any of those literally so. <laughs> I, I tried yeah well i mean i think you know speaking from my perspective not having a role model like you described that had that sex talk with you and when you learn from porn the the things that are supposed to be you know the way a man acts or performs or mm-hmm. or i mean let's let's face it they're not connecting with that woman hell no they're not they're not really not loving one another and so unless you have a really courageous partner which i happen to have a really courageous partner who will lead you through the learning experience the things that you need to know to actually please this woman and please her not just physically but intimately and be brought into that like safety net that umbrella of you know just I don't know, connecting both your bodies and your minds rather than just, you know, hammering like this marathon fuck fest, which those are fun too. But, you know, it sets these unrealistic expectations, whether it's about, you know, dick size or performance or anything. I just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially from the, from the standpoint that we've got a 13 year old boy who's you know googling sex and we don't as matt says we don't really know what's coming up right so at least with the physical magazine we're talking about two-dimensional pictures it's creating adoration for the the beauty of a physical form Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have the dialogue which (laughs) right yeah poor dialogue's not good dialogue yeah (laughs) and it doesn't have you know the same weight as like a uh, a, a motion picture that's you know set up with lighting and these women are beautiful and they never have an off day and they're wearing full makeup and they've got their hair curled and all mm-hmm. this stuff like you know you, it sets up the unrealistic expectation that when a, a woman who you love comes out off of work and they're you know they had a long day that you can still find them beautiful and sexy mm-hmm. and attractive and you want to still get down yeah What's uh what's coming up for me too as I as I listen to this is going back to this <clears throat> excuse me this term of uh, I don't like the term but the the men's work and so you know how do they process that what are their outlets for communication <clears throat> and where do they go with that mm-hmm. you know do they you know we're we're talking about it from our our own experience and before that, you know, Chris was talking about, we didn't have these options or these outlets. And, you know, so how are we, how are we teaching them to, to process this, to, to, to communicate this, to come to us with this, you know, how is sex in the house, you know, amongst your marriage? Like, is it talked about? Is it forbidden? You know, my dad, I mean, there was no, there was nothing, nothing, sex didn't exist, right? Until my neighbor was like, hey, dude, this is what you, this is sex, you know? But 
you know, this whole idea of what we're doing and, you know, how we, how we get in touch with ourselves and we really go deep with ourselves and get to know ourselves and then connect to others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I, as I hear us talk about this, you know, with the, the exposure to this, like that just really, you know, that's, that's kind of the next for me, like, where do they go with it? Mm-hmm. You know, is it, does it have to be hidden and forbidden? Like, yeah, part of me goes, yeah, that's just nature. Cause they're, it's new. And, you know, to your point, it, it you know, I, I, I see, I trust, you know, Craig, you're the type of guy, like, I, I get the weight of, did I, did I do the right thing? And, and that brought up to me, like knowing someone, like really knowing someone. And I, I totally trust, you know, you know him and, mm. and I trust that, you know, your decision and your path for that was, was right. Yeah. Yeah. I think even, even just us jumping in and being, like better men and and speaking to like what masculinity is and like our role in in the future it's even that even something that seems like so like everybody's like ah dad or whoever was like ah it's even us just being open and be like hey this is this is sex it's something you're gonna do i'm not gonna hide it from you but like these are like the terms you know and it's not just what you see in there that a guy can just take a woman or like it's it's all this stuff like no like what you said chris it's like learn to like love somebody and be in that moment because it scares the shit out of me that like if we don't address that like if people think things are bad now like imagine what it's like when they're just raised on porn and anything fucking goes and it's like why just take 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 because i want instant pleasure and gratification you know because i get it on my phone well now i'm old enough and physically big enough to be able to just take that like now what and that's i mean for me that's like that's scary but it's awesome to see you guys like talk about that (laughs) <laughs> and being open to talk about it. Not just have that conversation with like, oh, that's just between us. It's like, no, hey, like we need to talk as men or men and women or whatever. Like I hate uh John, there's water too, by the way, if you don't mind drinking out of the same jug, because you're all okay. you're good. Okay. Um I hate the way sex is dealt with in society, just as a whole, on every single level, <clears throat> at least in our culture, mm. right? I know it's different in other parts of the world. But I really fucking hate it. I just, I don't like any of it. I don't like the way we address any part of it. I didn't even like having to tell him he had to put it under his uh, mattress. Because mm. I don't want him to feel shame about any portion of it. I have so much shame in my own experience, in my own life, from finding my dad's playboys at some point, learning what they were, and then hiding that knowledge hiding the experience of looking at them and masturbating to them feeling like i had to hide all of that and if i was to get caught in that experience if i was going to get caught i was going to be punished i was going to be in trouble Mm -hmm. you know all of these things could potentially happen and i don't want my son to feel shame in association with sex at all because i have witnessed in my own life what that simple dynamic of shame and sex combined mm-hmm. has uh, caused in my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't want him to experience that in any way, shape, or form. But I'm not the only person that contributes to that. 
that's the part that really pisses me off mm-hmm. is I can do a hell of a fucking job and do the best that I can, fully accepting my mistakes and owning them, but also always working to do better. My wife can do the same thing. We can create a beautiful environment in our home. We can do all of this work. But then at some point we have to let him go out the front door. And his friends, friends of friend could be totally shitty or not even there. Friends, TV, television, uh, magazines, uh, kids at school, teachers, you're right. Anybody. Anybody. And speaking to Chris Fletcher, speaking to what you said, even like a true gentleman, it's like, you know, it's, it's even that thing. Chivalry. Chivalry. Yeah. And it's even for me, it's like, uh, really explaining. And, and for me, sex is like this beautiful, sacred thing, right? Like this, it's beautiful. Like life comes from it and holy shit. That's a whole other story. But like, you know, um, where did I, that I, sperm go in the fallopian tear? Yeah. Which, follow that which route did that thing go? <laughs> uh, but I think it's beautiful to like you guys being fathers and like an aspiring dad someday to, to see how you guys navigate. And even like, um, John, like you even saying, like, it's not even like your opinion on like the subject. It's like, what does your son need? And how do I dress that? Yeah. And like, literally, like, look him in the eye, like you look any of us in the eye and speak to him like a man. You know, in, in, in the terms that he is growing up and yeah. this is happening and he's the future. Because that's the other thing that both of you are bringing up right now to me um, is leadership, you know, in this, you know, can speak you know with these outside influences these other I, when you said that i thought about you know <laughs> i have this relationship with my son um his girlfriend's parents or his friend's parents you know all of these like just saying other parents i just feel like reactivity like they're reactive and i picture my son being this <clears throat> this calm smart you know empathetic leader, you know, in, in, in around sex, like that would be wonderful. You know, this, um, and as I say that, I realize I'm, I'm also speaking about myself, you know, I want to be that too. So, um, yeah, I just feel like there's, there's power in that. Certainly not in my voice when it cracks, but <laughs> I just hit puberty. And <laughs> there's that's that's why you connect so well with your son. Going through the same thing. I'm gonna jump into this. You guys, you guys really activated me in a lot of positive ways, and um, I I just want to honor every one of you, men. You are the men that I see are changing the future, along with myself. But you guys are 10, 20 years younger than me. And to see this coming up in the world today, man, this really touches my soul and my heart. That we're going to, you guys are going to make a difference. And I'll be there right with you. But this really warms my heart and I see it happening. I want to honor you as a father. You did an amazing job with a situation that you had in hands. I think you handled it better than, I don't know how I would have handled that. But I, I commend you. I really do. Thank you. So I wanted to touch on a couple things. Um, As far as uh, sexual acts and making love, they're two different things for me. As far as, you know, I mean, anybody can fuck, right? Or get together with somebody. But to make love with somebody and have that intimate moment of both of you being together at the same time. I mean, connecting 
in a loving, caring way. There's nothing better than feeling the love from somebody and you giving that love back to somebody. Yeah, sex and intimacy, right? Fucking and intimacy. When you can when you can incorporate them both together. Yeah. When you can have sex and intimacy as opposed to just sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean obviously it's <laughs> it, that's that's life like we can fucking make babies and obviously that happens but you know the 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 what you're talking about chris is i think that's the marrow i mean that's the yeah. that's the huge energy that drives so many different things cuz that's love right absolutely that's the space of love that's what i've craved my whole life yeah and i've went down all the ro- wrong roads for it let me tell you but i didn't know any better but I know now. So I um, want to reflect back on my daughter. When I was when she was 15 years old, I was living in the country, um, a little small town called Loomis. I owned a tow truck company back then, and I was working like 60, 80 hours a week. And so my daughter and I went out to dinner one night. She was 15. She goes, Dad, I have something to tell you. I go, okay, I'm just cringing. <laughs> all the hair on my back and neck are standing up and I'm going okay honey she goes dad I think I need to get on birth control I probably paused for like 10 minutes I, I didn't know how to react at that moment took a deep breath and I said okay honey I said we'll make an appointment for the doctor tomorrow and I didn't I didn't overreact but because I had open dialogue with my daughter that I didn't have with my parents she was able to come to me and be open and honest. And it was a it was a beautiful moment in my life. It was really tough for me to swallow that. But I respected her. Yeah, for coming to me. Yeah. I mean that, that that's the equivalent of John and his conversation exactly. with this 13-year-old boy, right? Yeah. You being able to create that relationship and hold that space with her so that she does feel safe enough to come say that to her dad mm. at 15 years old. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think for me, I had a daughter for a reason. I think if I would have had a son, I think it would have been a really tough situation for me um, to raise a son because I, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the tools to raise a daughter either, but it was, I figured them out on the way and I was able to pick her up. I mean, I can today, I can just come up and hug her, give her a kiss and, but I think for me, I never had that from my dad, so I didn't know how to get. I wouldn't. I don't think I would know how to give that to a son. You know, when you get to that certain age. This has got something big for me right here. Okay, this is just fucking like epiphany, truth bomb right in my fucking brain. Um, do you guys know how we talk sometimes about the dynamic of um, uh, feminine in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. The, the mothers that we were raised, uh, the, the experience of femininity and feminine energy, uh, and how they bless their hearts for all that they did and all the wonderful things that they did. They didn't raise men necessarily in the way that men should be raised, or there was parts of the way that they raised men, even with all the love and even with all the acceptance and all the compassion. And not everybody has experienced that from their mothers, but um, that even that <clears throat> uh, was missing something, right? 
Is everybody kind of on board with what I'm talking about? We've kind of heard that come up before, heard somebody speak mm -hmm. about how the, the way men are raised or the way men have been raised by women hasn't necessarily served them in their greatest and highest good to a certain extent, right? And that's outside of the caveat of just like our parents making mistakes. Do you, do you mean like single mothers or do you mean like mothers in general, even with the nuclear family? Or? Yes. Yeah. Both. All situations. Okay. Just as a whole in society, <laughs> let's say the last 50, 60, 70 years, the way that mothers have raised men hasn't been what men necessarily needed, right? And by and large, mothers did the majority of the rearing. Mothers did the majority of raising, right? There are plenty of exceptions to that, but by and large, mothers were the ones that were raising boys and raising men. <clears throat> so Chris, as you're talking about your daughter, and I'm thinking about all of my daughters, and then I'm thinking about my son, because it's different raising my son than it is raising my daughters. It's significantly fucking different. And I fell way more, or I feel like I fell way more with my son than I did with my daughters. But as I was sitting there listening to you talk about it, and I was thinking about this dynamic, <clears throat> I don't think I have been, oh, I know outside of just the mistakes that I've made, but I think the way that I am raising my daughters and the way that I am loving them, right, isn't serving them completely as women. Because I think about the way my mom raised me, and she had massive compassion and massive love, right? I never went without thinking that my mom didn't love me. But I think she also didn't do the greatest job of showing me an example of what women are. And that's not to say that, I mean, she was motherly, she was kind, she was loving, she provided. And yes, she had her own bag of issues and all of those kind of things. I'm talking completely separate from that. I think just the pure dumping of affection and love and support that we give our daughters I think we also, for me personally, the part that I feel like is missing right now that I can kind of like grab a hold of in this weird, bizarre truth bomb that went off in my brain, uh, the healthier dynamic of what my anger looks like and what me getting frustrated and angry with you looks like as a man to a woman or to a little girl and the the full cycle of that so you did something wrong here's my anger in response to what you did and anger is a strong word right granted it could be something minor but here's my anger in response to what you did here's the punishment or the reaction to that thing that you did and here's the conclusion guess what i still love you come here let me give you a hug everything's perfectly fine and you just experienced some negative, quote unquote, energy, uh, emotion from a man in a healthy way. And I haven't done that probably uh, day one with any of my daughters. It's either, sweetheart, you can never do any wrong, or you did wrong, but it's always... You know, I never, and if they do get my anger, if they do get my aggression or, or my frustration, it is not the kind that I want to share with them. It's overboard and it's too drastic and it's too, it's too strong. 
So I'm thinking about that now and <laughs> you guys, like I'm having that feeling right now of the way that I get, I recognize it because I've experienced it enough times now. Uh, this is very, very raw for me inside. This is something that's very vulnerable for me. And this has a lot of weight for me in my my story of my life, my experiences, as well as my present moment uh, still as the father I am today. And I feel super fucking embarrassed <laughs> sitting here as you guys are looking at me. And uh, But I think there's something there. And I, di I didn't do a great job describing it or explaining it but i think there's something there about how we can do a better job of raising daughters as men <clears throat> everything you said resonated with me really deeply and i never really looked at it like that until you brought that up right now <clears throat> i've looked at i've raised my daughter protect them protect them love them love them yes and on the other side of it i've reacted in ways that i could i wish i could take take back you know and not in a positive way at all yeah so um and i know my daughter has some trauma from this i can see it in her i can feel it in her she has a hard time communicating at times and um i would love to help her get through this somehow and i've reached out to her and i think the only way that i'm able to do the do that at this point is for me to really show up in my true authentic self and it's going to take time it's not going to be an overnight process it's just going to be me showing up as a dad and loving her for so that's and a, loving myself also at the same time yeah but like like i do this right now with my 20 year old because she's out of the house right mm -hmm. and so uh, I don't have day-to-day -day interaction with her. We we get we do still see her. We still get a connect and everything like that. But it's nearly, you know, way, way less than we would like and way, way less than it used to be. And she pisses me off sometimes. She's still triggering me. She's still frustrating me. She's still pissing me off. But every interaction that I ever have with her, I want to just dump my love on her. I want to provide for her. I want to protect her. I don't want her to feel any of that frustration or anger that I have towards her. Right? And I do that with all of my daughters. And what's really funny is <clears throat> I didn't do that with my son initially. That was not my default mode with my son. Mm. I had to flip it and recognize that my son needed to... I needed to be more compassionate and more loving with my son like I was with my daughters. And I also had, I saw this component with my son. I also wanted him to experience, hey, you piss dad off. This is what happens. This is how dad expresses his frustration and anger in a very healthy way of communicating it to you. And, and this is the, you know, you got in trouble, you got grounded, whatever the, whatever the fucking issue may be. And guess what, Miho? Come over here and sit on my lap. I love you. Everything's okay. We can still sit here and watch a movie together. Uh, what do you want for breakfast? Everything's okay. We just moved through that experience. But now to, for me to look at it with my daughters, I'm like, oh, God damn it. Like, it <laughs> fucking pisses me off. The best I could do, yes. And always trying to do more, yes. But that's a big fucking component, I feel, where the disservice that we're doing to women as their fathers when we're only trying to protect them. And what are we trying to protect them from? Fucking yeah. men. 
right? Terrible fucking experiences. With men, men like us at different times in our lives. Exactly. Right? Yes. I'll, I'll own that 100%. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we're only trying to protect them. And how do we protect them? With love. So think about that. Earlier, I talked about shame and sex and the combination of those two things for me. What is protection with love doing to women? I like watching you go there. (laughs) Yeah. I just love like, like these spaces create that kind of you know that kind of energy that kind of uh, thought that kind of uh, introspection and that's that's what we do man and that's and it's beautiful like you're owning it and like you said embarrassed but I think it's uh, I'm honored to witness it it's pretty pretty cool it's really cool yeah I mean what I'm curious about excuse me what I'm curious about is if you're giving all of your love and unconditional love to your daughters and that's different than you raise your son. What it sounds like to me is that you're removing your love from your son at points as well. Withholding it. Withholding, yeah. And also not even consciously withholding, not knowing how, Hmm. right? Not knowing how to fully express that because there's often times where, I mean, I always see him as my son, right? I always see him first and foremost as my son, but I've had to own and recognize the, 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 the fact is there's a subconscious part of me that sees him as a man, Mm. even though he's 12, right? Mm. There's a subconscious part of me that still sees him as a man. So you've already let him basically grow up in front of you. No, no, not as a male. Sure. Okay. Right. Not as a grown man, but as another male. And so then it goes back to my relationship, not only with my father, but also with males. Mm. Okay. So almost kind of like a peerish type. No, like think about the, the think about the energy that you hold with men. Mm-hmm. So you talked earlier, uh, Matt, about how I have to remind myself that people can't see me fucking pointing at you. You talked earlier about that uh, subconscious almost reaction of sizing men up, mm-hmm. right? And it's not to say I size my son up, but I've had to acknowledge the reaction to him because he is a male and not a female. Like maybe he could take it. It's n- it's literally like on a very basic level. Uh, just just it, this is another guy. Exactly. Yeah. He's Whereas just a, a woman, you're always looking to protect. So always like, looking to protect and always looking to love. Yeah. And those two things. So I want to go back dynamic. to that. What does what is that doing to women the if i want to be protected i have to find somebody that will love me or somebody that loves me is going to protect me mm. right that that cuz th- initially that seems like a good thing mm-hmm. but i think that there is some layers and some nuance and some depth some depth to that that is going to have some <laughs> some weight behind it probably in a negative way yeah which is shitty in the sense that you're just trying to do the right thing. Too. Exactly, right? You know, it's not even like you're like, well, you know, I know that this is going to do a disservice. It's like, no, I'm I'm doing this from love. And it's like, even with like doing things that we think are the right thing, sometimes it has negative consequences. It's almost like what you said, like, you might say something that to you, like, they, they'll bring it up later. And to you, it didn't mean anything. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's happened to me a million times. Like just in conversations with women or my girlfriend or whatever. And she's like, well, you said this. And I'm like, 
you held on to that? Like, that's what you got out of that conversation? (laughs) You know, and to me, it didn't seem like anything, but to somebody else that really like resonates or really like hits them hard. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's super tough. And I think this whole issue, everything we're talking about, like not only us being better men, but how can we serve women better? and, And how can like in general, we all just get better. There's so many fucking layers, like Chris said. It's almost like just shoot an arrow at me and just give me some kind of direction because like, which way you want to go, man? That's that's what I was thinking too. Like where it, it makes me think of um, like where's the the blurry line of, you know, we're talking about um, all of this, all of these ways to be better and, and teach and grow and learn and, you know, for the future. And I think of, you know, like, where's that blurry line of what's, what's doing harm? Like I, I like, mm-hmm. you know, some of the funny kind of locker room stuff that comes up, you know, is, is that the line? Like, can we talk about bonership and still be, you know, have the integrity of good men and, and, you know, that maybe that was a bad example, but like that kind of, um, that kind of language like is is that a blurry line is that okay that's a very i think that's a very blurry line it it is and you know because here we all are and i would be like you know heck man we are you know we're Mm. we're great we're great models we're we're looking towards the future we have you know and then i think like let's look at that one little word right we'll put a little bit of context about it with holding integrity for the space but um that word bonership (laughs) <laughs> hashtag bonership came up this weekend and it was it was laughed at it was funny it right. was a moment of levity and um as i sit and think about it now because i didn't at the time at the time i just laughed because it, it is funny right suppose somebody hears that word who struggles with boners who has an issue with erections who in some way, shape or form that hits them in just the right way to bring more shame about their erection, whether the lack of, or the excess of, or whatever the fucking case may be. Right. Well then of course we don't want to use that word because I love and respect you, but it's all of those type of words. That's another big thing right. that's super present right now. All of these words. And, and something that re- resonates with me is like, even just the word boner, like that's something that we get, right? Like right. that's a part of the anatomy. So for me, the way that I, the way that I kind of see things and I'm from the East coast and, and I live in LA now and everybody's super hypersensitive to like everything. And I gotta be honest, it, it pisses me off a lot. People are like, Oh, you can't say this. You can't say it. I'm like, Likewise. well, who the fuck are you to tell me to regulate how I say things? Cause it's almost like how we're talking about now. You're like, where's your blurry line? Yeah. And the blurry line for you or your line could be totally different from Craig's line. could be Chris right. or me. Like, so everything in general is just or that woman or that woman right exactly. and it's like 100% where is that you so, know and into like what you're saying i understand like i get that i understand it 100% but like uh i feel if in those terms it's almost like then like anything could offend anybody like even going i'm a vegetarian someone like well fuck you i eat meat like you know what i mean or like somebody i eat meat well why would you do that like and and I feel, for me at least, I, I get very caught up in, like, the society now that, like, 
everybody has to walk on eggshells and it's like i have to be offended like sometimes somebody says something um, and i have like, a real love and passion for eggshells so i don't want you to walk <laughs> on them <laughs> case of point but like for me i'm like sometimes like i don't mind it and it's not like this word like offended and i we're kind of going on something a little different but like even like offended i'm like well what does that mean because what's offended to you doesn't necessarily mean offended to me and it's just like i i i don't know it's just I feel, I feel like with society, we're in like such a weird spot right now. And not only like with like language terms, but also yeah. like sexuality and like how people are treated. And it's just like all this stuff because it, this is so weird. But I was around a group. I, where, where the fuck was I? Uh, oh, <laughs> I was on a cruise and I was just literally laying and I was just I was listening to a podcast and a group of women, they're probably like late, I'm early 30s. It's probably like late 30s or early 40s sat down next to me. And like judging by their conversation, it sounded like a couple college guys. And like literally this woman's like, yeah, like, oh my God, how many like dicks did you suck last night? She's like, well, does your husband know? He's like, oh, fuck him, whatever, whatever. And it was so weird because I felt like a little kid. Mm. Like, oh shit, I just heard a conversation I shouldn't. You know what I mean? And it was such a shock and I felt like embarrassed. I heard it. And the, the woman's like, oh, sorry, but like you get it or something. And I was like, oh my God, don't wrap me into whatever the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> wow. like, it was like such a weird thing. Wow. And, and you know, I'm assuming women feel like this when they hear stuff. But it's also, it's like kind of like both sides. I mean, and, and I don't know. I'm never in a woman's locker room. So who am I to say what, what the stuff is? But like I can assume... Like we, we both talk about like sexuality. So it's like, sure. and it's even like, well, where is it healthy to talk about? Like girls are like our sexual experience. And it's like, yeah. do you keep that into yourself or can you tell your buddies or like, should I not talk about that with you? Or like, and for me, it's just like, damn, like there's. I, well, I was thinking about that. The charge that you received from that event you were at, you know, like that's. Uh, the hats coming out, you know, the, oh, yeah, the, the vagina, vagina monologue. Yeah. And I just, I think about that, that yeah. charged environment and, you know, like where, and that's what made me think about the line. And then, and then what you're saying though, too, like, like it's a, it's blurry. Yeah. It's blurry. But somebody can see that and be like, oh my God, that's so inappropriate. But somebody else could be like, oh my God, well, they have a platform to literally let all these people know, like, hey, this is something that yeah. I deal with and I'm tired of having it swept under the rug and having to live in, shame or whatever i live in you know because yeah. you don't want to accept it because this could potentially offend you or whatever it is well i mean i think ultimately it's still a point of that context matters mm -hmm. and the intent matters true and if 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 we have a uh as we get back to this word community if we have a community where you can exchange that perspective and listen to the other person say to you hey you really offended me when you said that word uh it impacted me this way and we have an opportunity to listen mm -hmm. and feel that not take it on not push it away but feel it and and find some empathy for that perspective and i think that helps really lessen the amount of hurt that is behind somebody hearing something like bonership or you know f fill in the blank here whatever that 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 particular trigger is it makes it go away not instantly 
but it, it lessens its power over that person and over the situation. And all of a sudden now you've got this beautiful connection and you get to see this person as another person as opposed to somebody on the other side of the camp mm-hmm. who feels differently or votes differently or lives in a different area. It's true, which is like kind of everywhere these days. But I love that you make that because even having the conversation around it then. Yeah, because it does feel like nowadays as well. It's like me versus them or you versus uh, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, I think communication is the key. Yeah. And not just communication, but um, conscious, clear communication, right? We have all had experiences and witnessed when somebody I speaks up and says, that didn't sit right with me, what you just said. Uh, I, you know, I, that didn't sit right with me. That triggered something in me that brought something up in, in me. And in the moment it is recognized, it is seen, it is communicated, is it is felt. And then it doesn't, like you said, Chris, it doesn't always immediately take away that feeling for that person that may have been triggered, but it does lessen it. It empowers that person for speaking. And then it also educates another layer of, uh, to the person that may have, you know, said that thing or the people that got to witness that experience. So when I think about, cause I think that's the key, right? That would be the beautiful thing that we could do, like shut down fucking Twitter. So we don't have to worry about that bullshit anymore. And then say, Hey, I respect you have the opportunity to talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. <clears throat> that really brings something up for me. <laughs> Yeah. I would prefer that you didn't speak like that. And hopefully you can respect that in this moment of this shared experience, whatever the fuck it may be. And, oh, thank you for bringing that to my awareness. We address it. We feel it. We talk about it. And then we move on. And that process can oftentimes take less than a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it this weekend. Yeah. it It's not a huge, doesn't have to be a huge, long, drawn out thing. And then we can move on and we can stay in that space still have our connection, still have our communication, still proceed with whatever is taking place instead of this, you now are banished. (laughs) You can't come back. You have to get the fuck out of here because we don't allow that kind of talk, right? And that's Mm -hmm. what we see going on in society in a lot of ways, shape and form Mm -hmm. where, you know, people are ostracized and there's no path to redemption after one little thing is spoken. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one little thing. There are obviously massive things that are taking place that people should <laughs> have consequences for. But yeah, on this small scale, it's like, it's just communication and the lack thereof, I think, that has led to a lot of these, um, a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you said experience. So like you said somebody speaking to something like, oh, this might offend me. Yeah. And I might say something like where I come from and like, we just always say that and like no one's offended. And to that, I think that that's a great point that like, oh, that's something that I never considered and letting that land and taking that and realizing and, and you know, being conscious and having context that like, oh, when I say this, you know, I should be conscious that this could potentially offend somebody in whatever way it is but even even like us being men that we can actually talk about it instead of just getting angry like you said like cutting people out because like i'm christian sorry for the f-bombs but like <laughs> like being like even being christian it's easy for somebody to go oh well they do this they're not part of this or they do this and i know like even within like like my community and me being christian it's easy to judge other people but you don't want to like look inside or even having that 
communication with quote unquote your side. Yeah. Not just about the other side, but like, hey, let's look deep into our side, you know, which that's just, you know, how people look at it. like, how are we acting? And if we think that we're quote unquote right, what are we doing that's right? Is it really right? You know what I mean? And I don't mean the right side. I mean, like what we're doing, is it right? And is this actually something that people would like to mirror or are we just hypocritical in whatever it is that we do? And I think what we do in our work, like all of us together, it's like this beautiful unity of like, hey, look, like we all just want to get better. Like we're all men and we all come from different backgrounds and, and I can't relate to a lot of things and you can't relate to a lot of things that I do, but we can relate in the fact that like we want to make this world a better place. And I might not have all the ideas or tools, but like you have something and you have something and you have something and we can all bring this together. And I think that that's beautiful. And that, and for me, at least, I think that's something that the past generations didn't have and not even the tools, but like you said, they didn't even think about it. Like, what is this? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Matt. I, w- I wanted to get back to that with you, Craig, because you were talking about how you know, you weren't sure you were doing the right thing. And then you had this moment where you recognized something about the way you were raising your daughters and how, you know, maybe that's, that's not the way you want to show up as a father, but having that realization that does that give you some clarity and some empathy on, again, you know, peeling back the onion layers on the way your parents raised you and the tools that they had available to them and, you know, sort of paying forward the, I'm just going to do the best job that I can. And I'm going to make mistakes but if i can forgive me craig as a dad because i'm forgiving my parents too yeah i mean absolutely you know absolutely i see that component and that part of it and you know i don't blame my parents for anything now having said that like i'm still frustrated with them Mm. even you know as a grown man i still hold some frustration and some some pain in regards to some of the things that they did as parents and it pisses me off like it not only does it piss me off that my dad wasn't the greatest father it pisses me off that he didn't have the greatest father Mm. so that my dad as a child and as a young boy didn't have a better fucking shot because he didn't you know so of course he's going to grow up and be the type of father that he was for me because he had an even shittier fucking experience as a young boy. So of course I can't blame him for that. And it's that cycle moving mm-hmm. forward because my daughters and my son eventually, hopefully, will get to a point in their life where they look back and accept their father for who he was and the mistakes that he's made. And they'll be able to say, oh, look, my grandpa wasn't the greatest fucking dad for my for my dad and that's probably in some way shape or form why he was the way that he was as he was raising us and I can accept him and see him and love him for that yeah I mean all of those layers and all of that stuff that unfolds I totally see but that. you're getting a little better each generation exactly Hopefully. and my wife and I constantly are like you know because it's really easy for us to sit in our own pity party shit of being terrible parents and look what we've done and how Mm -hmm. horrible of a job we've done and all of these different things. And then it's like, okay, (laughs) slow down. Mm -hmm. Fact is we are doing an incredible job. And not only are we doing better than we got or the 15 generations before us, like our evolution as parents is better every year. Mm -hmm. Right better almost every six months. And so, 
that progression for us is speeding up, which I'm hoping is going to um, <clears throat> transfer over to my parent, not my parents, my kids, when they become parents, they'll be super fast at that evolution of learning and experiencing and being better along their journey of parenthood as well. Whereas my dad can look back at, I think he's 65. I don't know how old my dad is. Uh, he can look back and see all of his mistakes in the past where he couldn't see them in the moment. I can see my mistakes in the moment mm -hmm. and course correct, right? And hopefully my kids can see the mistakes before they happen. Mm -hmm. So then they can course correct even before those mistakes occur. You guys are blowing my mind. I'm having all of these like massive moments of like... Ah, fuck yeah, I like that, I like that. This is a huge fucking layer I gotta look at. Oh, gentlemen, uh, let's close it out. <laughs> Any last words from anyone? Anybody else want to share anything before we sign off, before we wrap it up? Uh, I'm just gonna step in here. I just want to thank all you men for uh, sharing this space. I'm honored to have all you guys as my brothers and uh, making a difference in this world. Thank you. Love all you guys. Yeah, well, I, I just want to acknowledge Chris, too. He's always the first to, you know, honor everybody else. But, I mean, if you don't see Chris right now, but Chris, you're a kind of intimidating guy. You're, you're a big guy. He's a muscular guy. He's got great hair, which I'm very envious of. Me, too. Uh, fantastic hair. You got some tattoos on you, and you're... You're the kind of guy that, like, I think is stereotypical, that we stereotypical think of. Like, oh, this guy's, you know, this macho kind of badass guy. And then you see how gentle and open and honest you are. And it's just like, holy shit. And it, like, makes my heart melt. You're not, like, some millennial trying to be better. You're a guy that was brought up in, like, the fucking hard knocks. And now you're sitting here and you're like, hey, man, like, I just want to get better. Like, as I get older, I want to be better. Where most people are like, well, I am what I am. Take it or leave it. Chris, you're one of those phrases that fucks somebody's brain up and confuses them because yeah. they look at you and they see you and then they feel you and they connect with you and they hear you and then their brain goes, ah, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so just you doing that is rewiring people's neural pathways just like some of those things that we talk about mm -hmm. because uh, you're a course correction because it's it's... It, it doesn't make sense when people see you and then they hear you and they feel you, man. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And you are part of the future, Chris, because guys see you and they resonate with you and they're like, wow, like maybe this is, this is what it means to be a man. Not necessarily like a badass or whatever people think it is. No, it's, it's <clears throat> this guy. Totally. He agree. looks cool. He acts cool. And he, he just, he's an honorable guy. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. Great. John. Yes, Chris, other Chris, anything? <clears throat> I'm I'm very aware of my voice. <laughs> I don't want to say anything else. <laughs> that totally sounds like puberty. <laughs> but I'm right there with you. <laughs> no, I, I I just think that this um this conversation obviously people are having it in different forms. Mm. Um and I'm I'm hoping that the fact that we're having this conversation somebody hears us maybe gets an opportunity to be inspired to have that conversation with somebody that they wouldn't normally have that conversation with and really open up, really take a risk 
and see, you know, see this, this movement that we're finding ourselves in the middle of in, in, in the middle of where this movement has landed on that other person and maybe just try to see it from their side for a moment. Yeah. And I think that this conversation kind of seems easy for us because we we're we've been conditioning ourselves to have the awkward conversations and to really dig deep, but you're right in that. Like, hopefully this, you know, other people are like, I don't know if I can talk about that or I don't know if I have a say or I can say anything. It's like, Hey man, just like, like we're all experiencing it and we can't, help anybody else out if we can't help ourselves and we can't help ourselves out if we're not talking to somebody else yeah we just spent like the last 48 hours connecting with each other in a incredibly safe environment and a safe place and really opening up and connecting with each other and this conversation was still hard i still had moments where i felt uncomfortable where i where i felt uh not i don't want to say unsafe but nervous and anxious. And this conversation was hard, even considering <clears throat> we just had this beautiful fucking weekend together and we feel super close and connected. Mm -hmm. So. And the question, the original question is still kind of weighing on me too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, you'll have to wait for next week on the energy. <laughs> <laughs> that one last phrase I'm going to put in here. Be kind. You have no idea what the other person's struggle is. Mm. Perfect, man. We'll end on that. Thank you, fellas. Love you all. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Everything we're talking about, like not only us being better men, but how can we serve women better? And, and how can, like in general, we all just get better? There's so many fucking layers. Yeah, I just, I don't think the job's ever going to be done for me. Mm. But I'm all right with that. And it was just him and I connecting, and that's all it was, was just me listening and having open communication with him and being there. And a true gentleman for me is a man that's secure and confident with himself and shows up for himself, that also digs deep and works to grow in every possible way for himself and his family and his kids. <laughs>